0: listening to board gamers anonymous episode 33. This week we're talking about Marvel Dice Masters along with Brussels Zombies and Airlines Europe. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, a podcast about gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Anthony. Hey, this is Chris. This is Daniel. This is Drew. All right, welcome to the episode, everybody. We have a bit of a special episode this week. Uh, Last time around, you knew Daniel was out of town in South Carolina. This week, he is still out of town, and Drew has joined him on the vacation train.
1: I am in the beautiful uh, shore resort of Castine, Maine.
2: It's beautiful here,
0: and we're not jealous at all, right? Yeah, would well, be totally nice to
2: Drew this whole episode. <laughs> to be fair, we to be fair, we spent every day on an island. Oh, that's island true, living, right? <laughs> we even have a beach somewhere. <laughs> that's what people say. Island so, on the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> yep,
0: it's beautifulish. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> um, so we're just gonna dive right in. Right off the bat, uh, Drew, even though he's on vacation, is hard at work pulling together the news. Drew, what do you got? Oh well. Um, interesting little news
1: about um, Settlers of Catan on the internet. Why that's so interesting is because Microsoft got their hands involved in that. So they created a website. You can go and you can play Catan only. it's It started out really buggy and glitchy, which for anyone who uses Microsoft products knows that's par for the course. So
0: it's version one. It doesn't count.
1: <laughs> that's it. It's, it's beta version one is always beta. Um, but it's, it's fun to check it out. It's a way to, to try before you buy or play with friends across the country. Um, and we'll post all the, webs- the links to this in the show notes. Uh, Fantasy Flight is announcing another convention. Uh, the conventions are popping up everywhere. This is incredible. And now we're starting to see conventions based around one single game. Fantasy Flight is having their Cosmic Con in September uh, up in Minnesota, Roseville, Minnesota. It's going to be pure wall-to-wall Cosmic Encounters. Um, If you love big eight-player, out-of-control games, you know, whatever kind of cosmic encounters you want, it's going to be fun. All the new expansions. Um, And let's see, Hasbro, um, our favorite uh, international conglomerate uh, (laughs) industry leader. They continue to churn out movies, but now they're getting hit with a lawsuit about their Candyland movie. Um, Some people think it's a stupid idea, I guess, and they're suing them. No, that's not it. The uh, makers of Candyland say that Hasbro doesn't have the right to make a Candyland movie. They can print Candyland and sell Candyland. They just can't make a movie about it. Um, So a snag and maybe it's a good idea we don't make so many movies about board games let's or any <laughs> what what can you
2: imagine candyland what kind of movie would well, that be? Uh, well hold on well drew hold on a second do we not have the masterpiece that is clue that was like the only
1: movie and that ruined it because everyone else wants another clue that was a great really? movie yeah yes yeah, only awesome. one that really worked
2: yeah i can't uh, argue with clue You can't. It's a great. It's a great movie. I don't know how many other board game movies are there. Battleship. Battleship was horrible.
3: Yeah, (laughs) that just. Why after that? Why would
1: anybody try? (laughs) (laughs) It's so
0: bad. It's funny because video games seem seem to be getting closer and closer to hitting their stride. Like the World of Warcraft footage apparently looked really good. Sure. That could be could could be an interesting movie. Uh, But uh, board games are about to become the new. Video game movie. Yeah. Well,
1: what's the Frank Miller movie that's coming out? Um, Sin City Two. Yeah, that looks like a video game. Basically, that has the video game feel to it. That's how good video games are getting.
2: Well, it's based on his graphic novels, which do have that kind of aesthetic. The very kind of it's very visceral. It's very black and white. It's very, um, you know, scene for scene. You know, scene for scene shot as if it was. You yeah. know, screenshots or you know, comic book pages. Well, they're doing they're
1: doing that movie like it's a pseudo animation style. It's yeah, not, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah where the two are blending together. So now all movies are becoming like video games. Video games like movies.
2: Well, you so. did have the uh, Katy Perry Candyland esque type of video. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's about as close as it comes. You know, Hollywood but, is always looking for. An IP that has recognition, they're not really too concerned with the quality of the movie once you pay your money and get in there. So that's what tends to happen. So if you look like Twenty One Jump Street or The Karate Kid, you know it doesn't matter if the movie either lives up to the quality or matches the script. It just it just needs to be enough to get you in the theater. Just enough. Yeah. So Candyland is a classic child's game that everyone's played. I mean, it's brilliant for Hollywood to kind of you know connect with our nostalgia. And get you to come in. Oh, Candyland, yeah, I remember playing as a kid. And you go in there, you're like, oh, my God, the horror. The horror. <laughs> but up until that point, you've already paid your money and they're happy to have you. So The only way I could see that work is as a uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs kind of movie. Uh, but they're gonna, they're going to bring Johnny Depp in, I'm sure, and just... <laughs> <laughs> Anything's possible. I, I guess it depends on the director you get for that. Let's say Tim Burton and Johnny Depp could make Candyland work.
1: Tim Burton's
2: Candyland. Oh my god, I want to see it <laughs> sure
1: they already did that. Man, I love that. Called Charlie yeah, that was it, basically, back. right? Oh, good call, good call. Oh, I thought it was Alice in Wonderland. Or every other every Tim Burton movie.
2: <laughs> That's yeah. right.
1: Um, oh, I just wanted to hit a touch on this uh, Cosmic Con. Um, what do you think of of building an entire convention around one single game. Would you get tired of that?
2: Well, I think Cosmic Encounters is that one type of game that you could play for an entire weekend because of the vastness of the numbers of roles and because it has so much negotiation that you could play straight up trying to win for yourself, trying to bring everybody together, or you can play with multiple races. And it's really one of those rare games that the races do play differently.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a cool idea. Especially, it's not like they rented out a convention center somewhere. It's just in the Fantasy Flight yeah. uh, headquarters. Which is kind of cool by itself. Like, I want to go just for that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Daniel, you played this, right?
3: <laughs> uh, I, no, I don't believe I've ever played Cosmic Encounters, actually. It's been on the list for a long time, but it keeps getting shoved aside for other things. But there are a lot of games that have conventions centered around them, right? Magic Gathering. Uh, warhammer every variation thereof well i know miniatures and and rpgs
1: but what about just straight up cardboard tabletop games what other games would you like to see would you be able to play a whole weekend of
2: well there's always those epic kind of games like twilight imperium eclipse rune wars maybe even caverna plays for a couple of hours so you know there are those games where you do need just that amount, that amount of time to actually get one of those games done. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Um, I got w- one more thing.
1: So there's one other thing I just wanted to get in there because it's an app that I think is really, really valuable. I've always been looking for this. It's an app called Playtime. For um, I know it's on the Apple platform. I don't think it's for Android. It's the first multiplayer timer I've seen, as opposed to more than two people. All the timers out there are like chess timers. But this one, you can time a whole bunch of people uh, at once. It's a free app, and it's for any group that has a player that's sucked in by analysis paralysis. I think it's a great way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Daniel, you're not the only one in this group, man. (laughs) You're good. (laughs) All right, I'm done. That's that's everything I got right now. Awesome. All right, so that's all for the news. Uh, Drew had some connection issues, so he had to hop off. He might hop back on a little bit later to talk about some of the games he's been playing lately, but we're going to forge ahead with the trio that we still have halfway decent connections with, and uh, we'll, we'll see what we can pull together with our questionable internet connections.
2: We lost one of our members, just like that horror movie. <laughs> we must stay together. Daniel, get over here. <laughs> don't I'm go alone it's dangerous me. it's too late no, no. no, i told
0: you not to wear that red shirt
2: <laughs>
0: doesn't listen all right so we're gonna jump in we're gonna talk about acquisition disorders uh this episode is coming out the week the weekend before gen con so obviously there are plenty of things on our uh list that we'd like to see so um let's do that right next acquisition disorder corner Before we jump into anything related to gen con i have to say that i finally 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 found a copy of dice masters at one of our friendly local gaming stores here in new york the 20-sided store Woo-hoo. yeah so we were there for our usual thursday gaming nights uh they have a board gaming night there every thursday uh there's a five dollar raffle and you can win store credit and i won and so i'm just looking <laughs> around to see what i should buy which is awesome because if i had not won i probably would not have looked around at all Chris spotted uh, the Dice Master starter kit <laughs> <laughs> on the shelf there. They had four copies. It
2: was ridiculous. It was one of those mirages. You're like, it looks like it. It can't possibly be it because there's four of those <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't exist in nature, at least not locally.
0: Yeah, it was. And, I, you know, I've been to Complete Strategist since. I've been to other stores. Nobody has it. Um, they just happened to get a bunch in and nobody bought them for whatever reason. But I did. Yay. So, thank you to those people who emailed me uh, with links for various places I could buy them. I even got a a message on Facebook um, from somebody who was pointing me to a Canadian website who would be launching a new batch, I think, Friday morning at like 9 a.m. He's like, if you camp out and click at the exact right minute, you can order it before they go out of stock. Which was pretty cool. Uh, I probably would have done that, actually, if it hadn't been for uh, finding this the night before. But... I finally have it. We've played it a couple times, played a little bit more, and then we're going to do our review. Otherwise, acquisition disorder-wise, the main thing that's been on my radar, at least in terms of what I've been playing lately um, or spending money on lately, is Hearthstone's newest expansion. A single-player expansion, actually. Yes. Basically, they took the the raid from the game, Mortal Warcraft, to turn each of the bosses in there into uh, an opponent, and then you run through each quarter, and uh, or each wing, I guess, of the raid, and try to defeat them. It's
2: not super hard unless you put it to heroic, and then it's unreasonably hard. <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the bug adventure. Yeah. So you get a, like Anubis, this big kind of beetle who attacks you, and then you have this Spiderella type of villain, and then you have a giant spider. So. Each of them has a unique power that kind of comes into play. And when they go into heroic mode, the power becomes even stronger and becomes even less of a cost. And even incredibly more dangerous. It's
0: ridiculous. So, the basic version, there's all like some quirk to it. And there's new cards. And a a tremendous number of death rattles, uh, which is kind of the theme here. Yeah. Which makes sense, considering where you are. The... So those versions, you might play three or four times, tweak your deck a little, and then you'll beat them. They're not super hard, the normal version. They're hard, but they're not super hard. Um, The heroic version, they increase the health of all the bosses by 15, so they're all 45. And then they get ridiculous powers, like, I'm going to hit you for five every time, for one mana. Sure. So you have to kill them fast. Uh, I have yet to beat one. So I beat all the normals, and I beat class challenges to get the cards, to unlock the sure. cards. Um, and those are kind of fun, but they're crazy easy. Way too easy. Um.
2: Yeah, I beat the first two on Heroic, and, you know, there's a lot of pop-ups in the game which basically says, these bosses are tough, you have to kind of build a deck to beat them, so if you have a deck that's working for you in P versus P, that's probably not going to work for you here. You really have to take in consideration whatever their special power is and kind of counter that. So... Um, the second boss battle you're going to fight, sh- her power is she gets to hit for damage based upon how many number of cards you have in your hand. So obviously what you want to do is get as many cards as possible out of your hand, onto the table, so that when she does hit you, she's not really hitting you for much of anything, and that way you kind of neutralize her power. That helped a great deal. The One of the other bosses actually spawns a spider and instead of it being a 3-1, three, three attack and one defense, it's a 4-4. Four, four. That's really rough. And I just barely got through that through my skin and my teeth. I threw a lot of taunts out there. It was the only way I could kind of battle like taunt, taunt, taunt the entire game and just outpower it. The last battle that I'm, I'm currently fighting against the spider, and it's not really going well, is for no cost, the spider can return two cards from the table back into your hand. So what I've been trying to do is use a deck full of charges. So I'll throw the characters out, they'll hit the villain, and then the spider will return them back to your hand at the beginning of their round. So you can kind of keep throwing these back out, but still because of the mana cost, it's kind of hard to get a lot of damage out there. That's a really tough one.
3: Yeah, it seems like what you might want to try there, I haven't had a chance to play this yet, and so it's on my list for something i, I and it's not so much an acquisition right because it's still going to be free unless you uh get hooked in by the the uh, freemium in-game purchases but it seems like you might want to try something like a uh low-cost cards that have effects when summoned
2: sure the because, battle cry
3: yeah battle cries because the, and there are a few other ones that have things i don't think they're labeled that Anyway, yeah, essentially use cards of battle cries, and then you'll have the ability to get that battle cry effect over and over and over again. So by returning that card to your hand, the spider is putting themselves in a bad situation.
0: Yeah, like, a, like a miracle rogue might do well too. Oh yeah, one because you just like throw a charge out there, drop a couple combos on it, and hit for fifteen. Um and then they throws it back in your hand, you do it again,
2: sure, but if but if you can but it takes a while before you, you can have to get have that cards, yeah, and you also have to have the mana for that too, because you're getting hit for six, seven points every round.
0: You gotta do it fast,
2: yeah, it's got to be low cost stuff, yeah so
0: yeah, this is it's a really good expansion. I was surprised. It's fun to have a single player version, and especially because I was starting to get demolished in the PvP. <laughs> like I just. When I first started playing, I was winning maybe half the games, and now it's like a quarter if I'm lucky. And it's just it's demoralizing, and you don't want to play. Sure. And I don't have the money to go buy a bunch of new cards. So a single player anything, I'm like, well, at least I can do this and feel like I'm doing something. Um, it's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the other wings opening up, even if they're gonna
2: yeah the second form the second wing op- opened up, but they do charge. Yeah, I don't know if that's gonna become free or point at some point.
0: I don't think so.
2: It's just gonna be straight charge.
0: Yeah, it's twenty bucks for all four.
2: Ooh. Boo. Or
0: $7 per wing. That's not cool.
2: Back, so That's not cool at all.
0: Yeah. Um, and you can pay with coins, but I think the total coin cost is like 3000 or something. Really? So you best oh, have that's... been saving since it started, because otherwise you don't have the coins for that.
2: That's a bit of a challenge, to say the least. But as you said, Anthony, the, the challenge with this game, like any CCG, is there's always going to be somebody out there that's going to be able to outspend you financially. And then put better cards in their deck. And then... You might have a strategy, or you might have a good card combination, a really good meta, and then someone's throwing out cards, and you just can't compete on any level. So it's great to see the single player campaigns, but if they're going to be, if they're going to be something you're going to have to pay for, but you'll get cards eventually. This game is going to be unplayable to anyone who doesn't put money into the game.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, but those are the two that I guess not acquisition disorder because I already have them, but they're the ones on my radar this week. Uh, Daniel, anything? Any new finds down there?
3: I'm just waiting for the uh, rule sets for D&D Next to start dropping. There's a fair amount of speculation, and it seems fair to, to, to speculate in this way, uh, that the player's handbook for D&D 5 or D&D Next, whichever name you prefer, uh, that that will be dropping after Gen Con uh, and probably be demoed there. Uh, and while they've released sort of a short version of the rules, they haven't released the full rulebook yet, and I would like to have that flexibility especially if we go forward with the plans that we've been talking about of playing a campaign together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That'll be fun. Yeah, we did a little bit last week, just setting up characters and just going through the basic PDF they give you. It was a lot, of, a lot of fun.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about that on a later podcast, about how to put those characters together, because that was
3: actually a lot of fun. Yeah, it look, looks to be a really good system, and I'm uh, looking forward to giving it a whirl. Yeah,
0: awesome. Uh, speaking of Gen Con, obviously that is coming up this week as you're listening to this uh lots of games that have been announced that are either going to be shown there or released there we unfortunately will not be there so we just get to look from afar and (laughs) hope that these games hit the actual stores sooner than later sure but there's obviously a lot of cool stuff coming out so you know just that's the bulk of our acquisition disorders right now anything that's like extra interesting
2: to you chris well i know one of the games that people are really looking forward is pandemic contagion so, many times when you play the traditional, original pandemic, you are playing these researchers and scientists trying to wipe out these diseases. Well, with contagion, you actually flip that, and you actually get to be the diseases trying to wipe out humanity. So...
0: Yay, black humor!
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> so there's that which is a, a little destructive but i know some people have been talking about that for quite some time and wanted to get something like that out and so it's actually happening
0: that's awesome yeah it's been a joke at most gaming tables for years
2: so. yeah well i mean i think the the viruses were doing fine on their own yeah, <laughs> they don't need help it's kind of odd it's like hey you know what you have to play the other side because you feel so bad for them <laughs>
0: Um, Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out that I'm interested in. Uh, Imperial Settlers I've heard a lot about in the last couple months. That looks
2: great. Yeah,
0: so that'll be a lot of fun. I definitely want to check that out when it hits the store shelves, I guess. Um, Then there's the trio of games that should be there from uh, Plaid Hat, uh, the new Summoner Wars Master set, uh, Dead of Winter, and yeah, it's another zombie game, and I'm really not excited about it, but I am excited (laughs) to see how this Crossroads system plays because they're going to be scanning other games with it um that's the part i want to see sure the zombies I don't know. no interest whatsoever but the game system it's new i want to see how it goes
2: and then you might submit six yes yeah
0: that'll be fun i don't know if that'll be out if they'll be selling any at gen con i don't think they've confirmed one way or the other i know it won't be available for me to buy until the fall sometime so here's hoping soon but that'll be a fun one uh, Antoine Bowes' new game Samurai Spirit that should be out really looking
2: forward to that yeah. too
0: he's he's already said that that'll be there for people to buy the yearly Days of Wonder release Five Tribes the new Ted Elspot game Castles of Mad King Ludwig heard about that that Excellent. should be fun uh, there's a bunch there's a bunch of games out there but that's just a few that I'm keeping my eye on um, hopefully they are release soon and then who knows what Fantasy Flight will do it's always a secret
2: <laughs>
0: hopefully Battle Lore expansion
2: that would be great yeah And obviously, uh, King of New York.
0: Yes, yes. And I have not, some people seem a little uh, skeptical about this game, but we live in New York. So the fact that there are actual Staten Island locations in this game (laughs) means I have
2: to buy it. I don't care if it's literally a reskin of King Tokyo. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fun game. You got to check that out. There's also Subdivision by Bezier Games. So if you love Suburbia, this is kind of a different take on it, but looks to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it's a new designer, right?
2: Yes. But
0: yeah, so there's plenty of you know awesome new games coming up, Gen Con, this coming week. Uh, on our next episode, we'll be talking about any new announcements that came out, anything that was surprising, what was hot, what was not, from our perch far, far away. And if you're there and you happen to see any of these games or get to play them, you know, hop on the forums and let us know how it played, because I'm super eager to see these games and to play them. Uh, I, all I can do is live vicariously through you.
2: especially all the promos that come out at Gen Con is pretty amazing. You don't really see those anywhere else in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. yes, if you want to send them our way.
2: That would be awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I know some people are a little bummed about that, too. Um, Star Trek Attack Wing actually has a number of promo cards coming out. Last year there was um, what they literally called Gen Con because it was Con. And uh, this year they're coming out with, I believe it's six cards that are related to the Deep Space Nine universe but they're only being released at Gen Con. So people are pretty bummed out about that, especially since there's actually going to be a decent um, Captain Cisco card, which everyone was asking for, but very few of us are going to get. So if you get one, congratulations, and uh, let us know how it plays. And we'll be sad all the time. But that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And if I have to play against you, I'll
0: probably lose. And I'll be mad (laughs) all the time.
2: (laughs) And that's okay, too.
0: (laughs) We're not bitter, guys. We're no. not bitter at all. Next year. Next year, Gen Con.
2: Oh, next year, absolutely.
0: Uh, Daniel, anything else? Anything Gen Con-wise? Any of those games,
2: you know, you've uh, got on your radar?
0: All of them. All of them. Good. <laughs> you belong on this podcast.
2: <laughs> that was the correct answer. You have
0: passed. I have passed. You may keep your seat. <laughs> <I've> chosen wisely. <laughs> all right. So that's Acquisition Disorders. Uh, It's the annual We Want Everything episode.
2: Yeah, Gen Con is the acquisition disorder. Yeah,
0: pretty much. (laughs) So next episode, we'll narrow that down a little bit to the stuff that actually played well and people are talking about and maybe pick out a few that we would really like to see out of there. Uh, Next up, some of the games we've been playing lately. At the Table This Week. All right, so... This last couple weeks, uh, we got a few f- interesting games to the table. I know, Daniel, you talked last time uh, about some games you would picked up, including Zombies with not one, not
3: two, but how many? Three exclamation points, which Terry Pratchett assures me is a sure sign of someone who wears their underpants on their head. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Zombies with three exclamation points is a game put out by Todd and Carrie Breitenstein. Uh, produced by Twilight Creations uh, that seats about two to six players. And it's a sort of standard feeling uh, zombie survival game with a twist in that it's a randomized tile base. So new tiles keep hitting the floor. Sometimes they have items. Other times you'll have an item in your hand that you can't use or can't actually have until you go to a store, but it just gives you the ability to Procure that item if you go to a specific location. Uh, the, car, the game has a fair amount of sort of screw you mechanics because each of you is trying to be essentially the lone survivor to the zombie apocalypse. And you can win by either killing 25 zombies or being the first person to the central space in the uh, helicopter pad. If you do either of those things, you win. Um, it's a pretty decent game. Uh, it's rated a little bit lower on Board Game Geek, than I usually like to go floating around a 6. I tend to get nervous around that point. Um, but it, it's actually pretty fun. We had some very dramatic moments. Uh, it's one of those games that can turn around on you in a single roll of the dice. And I, uh, that happened to us while I was playing. I was at 24 zombies and one space away from the central space and taking that step. So if I had made the proper role i would have ended up winning by both standards at the same time and of course i did not make the proper role so i died horribly and brutally um which set me back and then uh one of the other players is able to go ahead Uh, my only well i've got a you know it's a couple of issues with it one is i'm i am tired of the zombies theme but i can't really complain about a zombies theme in a game that is named zombies and did not try to hide it from me in any way. Um, the other is that you, when you set up the tiles, you randomize them, you shuffle them. But you make sure that the helicopter pad is on the bottom. And what that made the game play like to me is I was just sort of waiting for the first half of the game. I was just sort of running little circles, waiting for the helicopter pad to come up. And I think it will be more fun if you use the variant rules that suggest for quicker play, which is you just Shuffle it all around together so you have no idea when the helicopter pad's going to hit the ground. Uh, but overall, it's a decent game. I picked it up on sale for, I think, $10, and it was definitely worth $10. Uh, I don't know if I would buy it at full price. But, yeah, it was surprisingly fun for a game that is not as well-reviewed as other games I like to play.
0: Okay, not bad. That's a little older, right?
3: Yeah, it's uh, 2001.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, it's going yeah. back. I know there's what a dozen different zombies expansions for this thing
3: yeah i'm gonna have to give a shot and see what those are like maybe they'll add some more dynamicism to a game that i felt got a little stale oh this is second edition so that's 2010
2: oh okay okay so it's back from the dead huh Mm-hmm. Ah,
3: okay I see what you did there yeah, see
2: what i did there nice it's the reboot
0: <laughs> awesome man um what would you, i mean does it play like anything else that with more recent
3: well, so if you have the... So it's got a tile-laying mechanic, which you'll recognize from things like Betrayal in the House of the Hill. Um, it, and it does have these sort of like you find items as you go around. though That works a little differently. You draw cards from the deck, and some of the items will say things like, if you go to the sporting goods store, then you can use... I think that's the rifle or the shotgun. Um, so essentially, you know where to find it. And, these, and then you get other cards, which are things like events where you can cause bad things to happen to other players or good things to happen to you and so i guess that would be the closest mirror for me would be betrayal but with a big asterisk there because the basic mechanic is different right there's zero cooperation as opposed to betrayal where it's mostly cooperative until uh until that one fateful moment Uh, and it ends up feeling a lot less dynamic than betrayal does to me but that's a hard comparison because Betrayal is one of my favorite games.
0: Yeah, that is a tough one. Yeah. So, Hmm. yeah. And I mean, I could see like when Betrayal was out of print, maybe it's a decent filler for that. But now that you can actually find Betrayal again, if that's what you're looking for, why would you not pick that? Exactly. Cool. All right, man. I mean, I'm not going to say I want to play it just because it's zombies, but if you brought it out, I'd give it a shot.
3: Yeah. It's worth giving a playthrough.
0: Yeah. About how long does it take?
3: Uh, About an hour.
0: All right, well, for 10 bucks, sounds like a good deal to me.
3: Yeah.
0: All right. Um, So we played a couple other games, too. Uh, One that we got out to the table uh, just this last week is Airlines Europe. Uh, This is an Alan Moon game. It's published by Rio Grande Games, and it's, I guess, two, three years old, 2011. Um, So it won a bunch of awards, a lot of nominations back then. And the game itself is kind of an interesting hybrid for a few different mechanics. So there's kind of this stock element, you're purchasing stocks, Um, you're laying roots down, but the goal is not necessarily to complete the roots. It's more um, to drive up the value of each particular airline's stock, and then to make sure you have enough of that stock to score the points when they come up. So each airline basically has one marker on the board, and wherever, however far up that goes determines how many points people get when the scoring occurs. Um, and then it'll go down based on who has the most of that stock second most third most fourth most etc um, so yes getting the most of a stock is good but you still get points if you have second or third most so diversification is good but over diversification might water it down to the point where you don't have the majority of anything um, it was you had to build enough of a strategy that it was fun but it was a little lighter than you know a lot of other types of strategy games like this and despite how it looks it's not You're not creating routes necessarily. It's more about the stocks and um, spending wisely. So I, I thought it was a lot of fun.
2: It's an interesting game because when the whole board mechanic with placing the airplanes to make these routes really is secondary to the stocks that you play at certain times. So the deck of cards, like Alhambra, you know, there's certain scoring cards in the in the deck. So what you want to do is be able to have the stocks out there in front of you that you play these stocks depending on where the planes are on the board. So if there's a lot of red out there, you want to make sure that you have the majority of red so that you'll score the majority of points for that round. So initially, you're like, plane, 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 because I play Ticket to Ride. That's what we do, right? Plane, plane, plane. And then you're like, no, that's not it at all. I'm raising the value of all these different airline routes, but it's not really helping me in the game. I just have to strategically place my stocks when I think that scoring card's going to come out, which is random, so I can't be completely sure. But you're basically trying to compete with players to have the most number of stocks in that airline that's scoring a lot. So if you see red going up, you're going to play a lot of red. But then at the same time, other players could play other colors and even block that route and lower that value. So it was interesting that when we played the game... I think it was white and gray, which have very few stocks, s- scored very quickly. And then by the end of the game, everything kind of catched up, if not surpassed it. I think with the exception I think purple was at the, at the end. <laughs> poor purple. Yeah, poor purple. So as the game goes on, you're like, I want to have a lot of these because it's scoring a lot. But at the same time, you might want to pick up the other ones because they'll score something. And throughout the game, they might score more. So it has a ticket to ride element. It has an Alhambra element to it and in all it's a very good game it seems highly complex and it's not it it's very very simple um the iconography is is decent the plane models is very nice the board looks pretty once it's kind of all filled in with the planes and you just need somebody to keep track of where everything is and the on the scoring board but beyond that it's it's a fine game and i would definitely give it a play yeah i'm gonna go with that too i think
0: it's a, it's a fun game i think it's out of print so i don't even think you can buy it otherwise yeah yeah i mean i might give it a, a borderline buy because it was unique it doesn't sure. play like anything else i have you mentioned alhambra yeah it does play a little like that but not enough so that it,
2: i would say it's a replacement or couldn't be that's replaced a good question by. is it or does it replace it i mean because you're picking tiles. In Humbra, you're picking tiles of a certain color, and if you have the most of that color, you'll score the most points, and then there's second and third place. So it does fit, and it does have that multiple random scoring mechanic in the deck, so it fits like that. So it does have two of the three elements. You know, the, the planes in the middle set up a variable um, value as far as what the colors are going to be valued, whereas a Humbra, it's kind of already set.
0: Yeah, exactly. So there's it's very dynamic in that way. Sure. Um, also, a lot of hidden information because you could be building up a hand with like six blue cards sure. and drop them all at once. Whereas in Alhambra,
2: you put the tiles down as you buy them. Everybody knows, yeah. I think Alhambra is, is, a, is a better gateway game because all the information is out front where this is a little more hidden. Not too much, but a little bit more hidden.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: And the board itself can scare off a lot of... You know, new players because it does look. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here, at least the first round or two.
0: Yeah, yeah. But despite that, it was a quick learn. No, absolutely we it fast. Yeah. So that was a fun one. I, I enjoyed playing it. I would play it again.
2: Yeah, I didn't think I was gonna like it initially, just from the looks of it. It looked a little bland and dry. And then once we kind of got into it, probably about the fourth or fifth round, I was really into it. Um, there isn't. There really isn't too many strategic decisions to make, unless you really want to go out of your way to block somebody. But Otherwise it's a great game. I would recommend it.
3: It definitely sounds interesting. I mean I'm a big fan of the Alhambra style scoring system where it's randomized and comes up unpredictably because that keeps you on your toes in a kind of game that otherwise becomes very mechanical.
2: Sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think it has it's and it works well with a lot of people. Like I don't like Alhambra you could probably play with two people and it's still kind of fun to play two three. I think this game would play pretty weak. With a fewer number of people, because you don't have quite the same. It seemed like there was alternate options for fewer players, but I just, it
2: didn't seem like it would play as well. Sure, and like you're saying, like if you, without the variable scoring mechanic, you could hold a deck of blue cards, but because you don't never know when that's going to come out, you might be doing yourself some damage by not playing those early. So it really kind of, which happened to me twice. Yes, (laughs) especially at the end of the game. Yeah, 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 I got hit
0: two out of the three scoring cards by having like a handful of stuff i'm like i almost got this down
2: (laughs) but it was the the scoring was relatively close at the end Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i mean i was in last place but everybody else was pretty
2: close i think i was second by like one point yeah yeah and a new player i was new you were new the player who won was was new and we all we picked up it all really quickly
0: yeah yeah it was a lot of fun um kind of disappointed to see that it's not in print actually because sure. it's relatively recent it's a big name designer and the game was good all right so the the one other game we got to the table um is brussels 1893 um so this game i guess is a worker placement i mean not, not a guess it is um it's just a bit of a hybrid in terms of how it works it's a variable board layout in terms of the placement variable spaces, because you move which spaces are available each turn, Um, and then how you interact with that board, too.
2: You can start locking things down and getting secondary benefits. It's your standard victory point game. It's a Euro game. It's all about engaging yourself in in the world of art in that time period. So one section of the board has all the actions that you'll be taking, and it kind of, in a way, mimics like a gallery. Like There would be these paintings kind of set up, and what's really interesting about the game, which we all really loved, was when you got when you got to be first player, you got to choose where this frame was placed on this part of the board, which kind of limited which actions you could take. Now, in addition to that, there was also a whole other strip of actions you could take throughout the game, which if you took it the first time, it was one, one worker. If you took it with there was already two workers on there, it would cost you two workers. So... It had a lot of possibilities because it had a lot of tracks to it. So you also had this um, Mancala kind of clock that actually moved around and told you what the cost to build was. So sometimes it was different cubes and sometimes the arms moved and it was other costs. So there was a bit of a challenge there. In addition, you would be picking up works of art, which later in the game you would score or sell... And based upon where the market was at that point, which is another part of the board, this is a little weird kind of square that had these colors on it that moved around based upon the player choosing to pick a certain direction for it, and your your artwork would be worth a lot or a little. So you had building buildings, buying art, selling art, picking different actions. It really has a lot of different mechanics that kind of come together. I don't know... (laughs) I don't know if they come together well, because it's a game that's really trying to be about theme, and it really is not. And this game might have even played better if it didn't have any theme at all to it, because it seemed like they were trying to be too smart for their own good. Like, there was a lot of interesting things about it, but the problem was there was a lot of interesting things about it. It was just too many different things. You had to manage a lot of different aspects of it. And forgive this expression, this is a fiddly game, my friend. Yes. This game is fiddles all the way through. This game should have been born with a fiddle with it because you play it and you're like, I'm going to move this guy here and then that allows me to get this building and I have my own personal board and I have to make some corrections there and then I got to move the the hands on the clock there and I got to move the other piece to tell me where I'm going to sell something and it's just...
0: Nothing ties together. It's just all these disparate elements, and any one element you look at it, and you're like, "Well, that's kind of clever." You put them all together, and you're like, "It's just a big box of clever stuff." It is. Um, and then the one big thing too, and this actually, I did not enjoy this at all. I had a very poor experience, <laughs> and I won the game, so that's not a good sign. Um, the buildings themselves, when you uh, so when you build and then you run yourself up the architecture track. That's like seventy percent of the points you're going to score in the game, if you do it right. Like I scored sixty some odd points. What's it? No, it's forty points
2: with the buildings
0: and the on the on the end scoring. The end
2: scoring, which is also fiddly,
0: which is also fiddly, and that was half of my score. Like you can't have something that's that disparate, like just forces it that far off the end of the scale. It was ridiculous.
2: Yeah, the the end scoring. You really have to keep your eye on so many different things. And sometimes they work together in concert. Sometimes they don't. And as far as managing other people, see where they're at, it's it's a bit challenging. Because there needed to be a little bit more time put into kind of thematically putting everything together. And, you know, I love Euro games and have a big fan of Eurogames. But the idea of theme isn't just the fact that it has pretty pictures. Or it has an interesting story behind it it's about sitting down and playing a game and it makes sense what you need to do next without having to look at the rule book it just thematically follows that i would do if i did x y would follow and then z would follow so the the best thematic games are not necessarily the prettiest but they're the ones that logically follow through and you feel like you're taking through a game and not have to stop and think every five seconds like how does this mechanic work? Yeah. So it's a bit of a challenge here. And the th- and it's a sad thing because there's so many good parts to this.
0: Yeah, yeah, you want to like it. I mean, I didn't really. But everybody else at the table wanted to like it. So. <laughs> um, I mean, Daniel, I, I could ask you what you think if you'd want to play it. But A, it's a worker placement. And B, <laughs> two guys who like worker placements
2: are telling you it's bad. So. And the theme is not there. So.
3: Yeah, I mean... The phrase, a big box of clever stuff, sounded like an endorsement almost for a second, but then, you know, if everything is well-designed independently, but with no attention paid to going together, that seems to be what what I'm getting from you guys anyway. That makes me nervous. And this is not my type of game in general, so I probably will never play it, especially since the people I'd most likely play it with are you guys, and if you guys don't like it, there's a fair chance it won't hit the table again.
0: Good call. Yeah, I'm not playing this again either. Um I said this a couple of times while we were playing it. It seemed like they built this game and then they play tested it and like, oh we got to tweak this. And they play tested it again and oh, we got to tweak this. And like 200 iterations later, you have this Frankenstein's monster that's been tweaked to such a level that the game just there's just stuff happening and it doesn't actually flow together anymore. And Maybe it did in the original draft and it was just unbalanced, but
2: I mean, this happens a little bit when you want to have, and ideally, you do want to have this. You want to have multiple ways to win a game. Yeah. You shouldn't all have to follow the same strategy to win the game. We we talked about this a little bit in Russian Railroads, where it's, it's a little bit, you know, locked in, a little bit. This game has a lot of different possibilities to score points. Like early on, I had a I had a a tile, I had a, one of these people that was score me five victory points every time I played it, which was great, but. That was probably a good chunk of my victory points, and it really shouldn't. A game, at least at this complexity, you shouldn't score that many points by just placing a worker on one spot. It should have it should have some thoughtful mechanic snowball effect where you're doing a number of different things, or some tactics or strategy involved. Instead of I place my guy here five points every round, I place my guy here five points. I mean that was that was scoring me so many points, and it was really unnecessary.
0: Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, this game came out at the exact same time as Russian railroads. I think they released the same day. And that's
2: why this game disappeared completely off the radar.
0: Yeah, but and it's not I'm not gonna say it's a horrible game. It's not a horrible game. It has a lot of good intentions has some cool ideas. It's just this type of game, what it offers, there are other games that offer it much better and that are much more f- tightly refined. Like we reviewed Russian railroads in the last episode. Go buy that. That's a good worker placement game.
2: Sure. And it has a, a lot of the same mechanics. So this game is almost there, but just doesn't make it. So it's going to be a dodge for me. Yeah, me too.
3: Well, if you guys are dodging it, I will probably end up dodging it if uh, if only by association.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of us. <laughs> One of us. <laughs> oh, man. And now for the Feature Review! Alright, now for the Feature Review time. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the episode. It's Marvel Dice Masters. Finally got my copy in. Finally got enough cards and dice that we can put together a couple decks. Run through some basic meta. And uh, Chris and I played it a few times, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, And just general impressions overall. All right, so in terms of how the game plays, uh, it's relatively simple. It's if you've played Quarriors, almost all of these mechanics are going to seem familiar. But obviously, it's been reskinned in a way that makes it, you know, head-to-head competitive. Quorriors um, doesn't really play like that. It's uh, you know, it's designed as a board game versus a, a head-to-head combat game. Um, so the basic idea of the game is that you're going to have your own team of superheroes, and your opponent will have theirs. You assign dice uh, based on how many cards you pulled out. So. I think the basic two-player variant is six cards and up to 15 dice and then tournament rules is eight cards and up to 20 dice. Um, If all you have is a starter deck, which much fewer people have (laughs) than the rest of the cards, then out of the box you're gonna have far fewer cards than that. It doesn't come with enough to field like a full um, team of characters. So it's, it's really, it really is just a starter set. It's enough to learn how to play the game, and it's not even enough to put a full um, set of characters out. So you're definitely going to need some expansions if you want to play the full game, as we're going to talk about it. But you can play out-of-the-box, 15 bucks, that'll get you enough to cover you know, some basics. In terms of the game itself, um, again, very similar to Quarriors. You put all your dice in a bag, you start the game by drawing four, you roll those dice, they have energy... On them, you use that energy to buy new dice. Um, there are different types of energy that will match up to the different symbols on your character cards. Then there are also basic action cards that don't require any specific type of energy uh, that you can buy any time in the game when you have the energy for it. Uh, as you buy new dice, they go into your used pile. Then you're going to reroll those on your next, you know, next time you put them all back in your bag. Um, At any time, if you pay the fielding cost for a character die or a sidekick, you'll move that up to the field zone. And then from there, you can either attack or defend. So you can leave your dice dice in the field zone as long as you want, um, if you want to keep them out there defensively, or you can push them up to attack. If you attack and someone uh, defends you, um, then you just resolve damage, see who wins. If you attack and nobody defends you, you deal your damage to the opposing player and then that die is gonna go to your used pile. So it's basically, um, you've used them up, they're exhausted, however you wanna think about it, but you can't just keep hitting them with the same die over and over again. So there's a benefit to defending, there's a benefit to not defending, it all depends on how you're playing. And then um, there are a ton of special abilities on each of these dice, things that will help deal extra damage, things that'll block certain kinds of damage, things that will, make it so people don't want to hit one of your dice in particular, things that make certain dice more powerful. Um, There's like 130-some-odd cards in this set, the first one, so I'm not going to run through all of them. But there are some interesting ones in there, um, some of them more thematic than others, that change how you play that really force you to think about the meta and how it's going to interact with your opponent. And that's basically it. That's the core mechanics of the game. But like any game like this, any kind of collectible card game, where you have all these different special abilities and a limited number of cards you can buy, uh, there's the, the major aspect. It's the deck building. Like what are you going to put together, and what impact is it going to have on the other dice that you pull? So, uh, like, we paid a, played a couple different types of meadows. I played the more common Beast six 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 one, one, where uh, everything's very defensive. I put a lot of dice out. I was fielding a lot of dice, and a lot of them are going back to my prep area. Um, If you die in combat, your dice go to the prep area, which just means you roll extra dice in your next turn. So if you're putting out a ton of dice and they're all getting hit, um, whether you hurt the other opponent or not, then the
2: next turn you're going to roll way more dice than the four. Um, Whereas Chris, you played just a... Yeah, I had the Nick Fury Avengers kind of team up. So every time I was able to get Nick Fury out to the field, he allowed me to bring out an, an Avenger that was able to roll for no cost. So that was an, an opportunity to field a lot of characters very quickly, depending on what my setup was. I had a number of Avengers characters kind of waiting there, plus some additional ones, which because of Nick Fury's ability weren't as helpful, you know, only if the cost kind of made sense, but um, Nick Fury allowed me to bring a lot of guys out there as long as I kept them in the field. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it was, it was definitely a very, uh contained strategy. You had, like, three dice, types of dice you bought, and that was it. And you're just rolling through Iron Man to heal, Hulk to smash,
2: (laughs) Fury to recruit. Yeah, because with, especially that um, Iron Man and Hulk, they were high-cost characters. Having Fury out allowed me to bring them out without paying that exorbitant cost, because each turn I was only really rolling four dice, and maybe two additional ones with my special ability. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean your deck was more of a um a slow build. Sure. Like I
0: hit you I got you down to like seven in the first three or four turns, but then you got you finally got your Iron Man and your Hulk out and I couldn't get through anymore.
2: Yeah, Hulk was a really good blocker. Iron Man was something I picked up a little bit later. It should have probably been something I picked up earlier because whenever he gets hit, he's able to heal your character for for one health, or if you have him on this on the special with the star, he can heal for two, which is great. Hulk, on the other hand, if I take damage as the player, or Hulk takes damage, he's able to knock out one of the opponent's characters, at least a level one, for free. Or if you get him on his star, he can knock out any character, which is another great ability. Yeah, and it hurt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well, Hulk smash. You know that's Hulk does, Hulk Hulk
0: does, does smash. Hulk does.
2: Yeah. Hulk does what Hulk does. You know. Yeah, it's stupid Hulk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you still had to be able to buy those. Uh, they were expensive. They're like six a piece. Yeah. So you had to build up dice um, with your basic action so that you had extra dice to roll.
2: And I had to keep Fury in the field and not in the attack zone, because if you let him pass and if I did damage against you, there's no, there's no saying that I would be able to get him out there again. Yeah. So, but he was also very low cost. So it kind of balanced out in a way too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It did a lot. And you mentioned afterwards I probably should have aimed at him, not everybody else. Yeah. Cause
2: you would have taken out the engine.
0: Yeah. But, um, but it was very interesting to see how each different type of deck played, because mine was very front-loaded, I, um, I bought the three beast dice immediately, sure. so that I was constantly recycling into my prep area, and then I picked up the angel die, Avenging Angel, and I should have picked up more of those, because those were, it either hit you, or if it you couldn't block it fully, it hit
2: you anyway. Sure. So you have chosen the angel over the beast, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, your, your, d- your deck had a lot of defense to it. And it was kind of frustrating because it was like, I either have to take damage here, which is going to kill me, you know, or, you know, allow you to hit me anyway. So it was kind of, you know, so even even Beast was giving you additional dice. You know, Angel was scoring hits. So it was kind of like, I, there was, it was a no-win kind of decision on that. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and it worked really well for the first half of the game until you got your big hitters out. Like, yeah. it's the kind of, if I was revising that and playing it competitively, I'd have to do it even faster. Like, find a way to hit even faster to make sure you don't have a chance to get those cards out. Um, and then my
2: favorite card, <laughs> your least, was Storm. Oh, Storm is... Yeah, which I noticed that the first time we played, I had Storm, and she is so low cost, but to be able to re-roll the die that the you know the attacker has is incredible.
0: Yeah, it was ridiculous. So I... Once I realized that, because I couldn't get rid of any of your characters, because they were all like eight defense, or seven defense, um, Iron Man, and then two Hulks, I can't I couldn't kill those, because all sure. mine were pretty low, so Storm would make you re-roll them. Sure. And the one time, you re-rolled the Star, and I was like, damn
2: it. But I think two other times, I two or three other times, I re just points and stuff like that, so it wasn't really that helpful, but... Yeah, there's a 50% chance it'll hurt you, so. Yeah. Well, even, I mean, like you said, I guess you get to choose, too. So if it's really a high-level one, then you want to re- roll it. But if it's a low-level one, you don't think, you you know, if you think you can beat it, then why bother? Yeah totally, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, we could go down the rabbit hole of talking about, like, what each car
0: does for hours. and We're anybody, not. Yeah, right. <laughs> anybody out there who doesn't have the game yet, that would be immensely frustrating. And sure. I know that because I was in your shoes for so long. Just wanted to give you kind of an idea of, what's involved you know you look at the game out of the box especially if all you get is a starter box and you're like this game is incredibly underwhelming sure Um, the first couple times we played with just those starter cards it was kind of disappointing because nothing really happens you can't really build a deck you can't really build a meta and it's sure it's just based on learning the rules basically
2: and let's talk i mean for those for those people who don't know talk a little bit about like what you mean by meta
0: yeah, so like we talk about meta, that's it. Really applies to any game like this, um, where you have different abilities and anybody can kind of pick whatever they want for their own deck. So you're building um, three things in mind: a) how can you be as efficient as possible? In this case, getting extra dice and then dealing damage efficiently. B) how can you counter what your opponent, what you think your opponent's going to do? So like, what do other people frequently do? Building dice and <laughs> hitting damage, and then how can you counteract that? For example, I had Storm Dice would counteract an Avengers deck um, and see how do you kind of keep it rolling. How do you build up a combo that's going to hit, you know. A lot of these types of metas um, where you're building out this strategy based on what other people's strategies are, the in the end it ends up being like you find a way to chain it all together and hit really
2: hard all at once. Um, and you pretty much play the whole game for that one opportunity to do that massive combo where everything kind of works out really well, especially with this game, to be able to roll it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's enough luck in this game that it's you're rolling dice. Sure. So you could do everything perfectly. You could pick the right cards. You're only going to have eight cards. It's not like deck building's that tough, and you're not drawing them. They're there the whole
2: game. Sure. That's in comparison to a lot of the miniatures games like Star Trek Attack Wing or X-Wing Miniatures and many others where you're building your crew, you're building your team, you're building your ships so that if they if they line up right, which isn't that hard in those types of games, they're going to produce an effect that is far beyond what the individual cards could do. Oh yeah. And that's really that's a really big fun part if you've never gotten involved in like these metas Um, you're kind of missing out a little bit. Now, usually when we talk meta, usually on some level, it's a, you know, CCG is involved. It's a collectible card game on some level because there needs to be a massive amount of cards with different abilities in order to have effective combinations to play in the game and different combinations to play in the game. And we also talk about sometimes where there are winning combinations which are kind of broke. Like if you put certain cards together it just, you can't possibly lose, at least if it if it comes out, you know. And even Hearthstone is like this too, which yeah. we talked about. So it's a lot of fun to take a look at this huge deck. You just lay out the cards on the table and be like, if I play this and I do with, with this one and this one connects with that one, this one gives me an extra ability, it's a lot, a lot of fun to be able to pull together this grand strategy and then play a game and see that strategy play out and just be incredibly effective. And, or as you were mentioning before, being able to think of what someone else's strategy is going to be and have some counter cards in there.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, I'll admit it, sometimes it's a little overwhelming to think of. Sure it is. Like uh, any of these games like this, usually like the first month or two playing, I'm like, eh, it's too much. (laughs) And then I'll get dragged in. Um, In this case, there's only 130 cards out. You're going to pick eight of those. Like The combinations there are not so extensive that it's going to be mind-numbing. But I have to say yet because yes. this is WizKids, so all their decks are going, all the new sets coming out are going to be interchangeable, and there are already like two or three more announced.
2: Yeah, so we have a DC, Dungeons and Dragons, Yu-Gi-Oh.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then the X-Men starter too. Yeah,
2: X-Men Star is going to be the one coming out, which is actually in pre-order at this moment.
0: Yeah, I think they're saying September. We'll see because yeah. this one was. Yeah, I, I got this three weeks ago, and it came out in April. So. Sure.
2: So expect delays. But if you go to Board Game Geek and you look up Marvel Dice Masters and you go to the forums, you're going to find almost endless threads about different metas. So if yeah. you're if it's not really your thing or you want to kind of pick up what a good meta is to kind of get started, that's really a good opportunity to kind of get some kind of general community wisdom on how to play the cards together
0: we could talk about meta all day but the game itself we'll talk about the game itself because that's what you're listening for is it worth tracking down because if it's still on your want list you probably still haven't played it so it's is it worth it is it worth uh you know checking your local game store every week and harassing them to put your name on the list um the game itself like we said it's very uh, straightforward the rules are easy to pick up like most ccgs honestly you know you can get buried in Magic the Gathering and all the different meta options, but the game is very simple. This is also very simple. Game itself can play as quickly as 10 or 15 minutes, or if you're playing a deck like I was yesterday, it can take upwards of an hour, whereas i chip away and drag things out forever. <laughs> <laughs> so it can be pretty long or it can be pretty short. I can't imagine never going over an hour, just because if somebody gets off one combo that's 70% of the other person's life. Uh, and in the actual game itself, um, it is all dice-based. The cards, while they have different abilities, all have the same artwork for every character. So there's not a lot of difference. You're
2: Boo! Not... <laughs> Boo!
0: <laughs> You're not going to see different types of cards other than the abilities. You're not going to see different dice. They're the same dice for every character. Um, so it, you really end up, while it is somewhat thematic in terms of the basic mechanics, the actual physical pieces
2: you're looking at are not as thematic. I understand the dice having to be standard, right? Because you could field a number of different die in a game, so they have to be standard. But the cards, especially the rares and the ultra rares and stuff like that, they should have been different. They should have had a little foil to them, they should have been a different, at least even a different picture. You know, because the game, especially if you don't have the mat, and you have the mat, Anthony, which is really nice, because it, it really kind of gives a little bit more theme to the game. But if you don't have that, it's just these really tiny little dice that are not good quality. I mean, we should talk about that too. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, like, I live, I love WizKids for so much of what they do, but production quality is not one of the things. And I think half the game I kept asking you, that die, those dies, what, what does what, it say? What yeah. is that number? Because yeah. it's all blurred up and it's a tiny little number and the dice themselves are not really good quality at all. And it's just like, it's really disappointing because, you know, it loses theme points for me when something's blurred. And, the, and really, the, the entire, all of the components of this game is really dice. So yeah. if the dice are in good quality and you're keeping your eye on the dice for the entire game, there's no there really isn't a board for this game. So you're looking at these little little tiny cubes and you can't make them out. And you're like, uh, all right, you know, Um Let's talk about the other component, which is, in a game of two components, (laughs) the (laughs) cards. Um, The cards are poor quality. They're thin. Um, If you're going to obviously play this in in any type of competitive form, you're probably going to sleeve the cards. I think you would almost have to. I think there are some games that we've played where you're like, these cards will be worth money, therefore I need to sleeve it. And obviously, because of some of the rares in this game, you'd want to sleeve it because, at least right now, they're worth a lot of money. But beyond that, you're going to sleeve these cards probably because they're very, very thin paper. And because of which, they bend really badly. And we should also mention the booster packs. Now, the booster packs, and I love the idea that these the boosters are a dollar. This is great. It's a great job by WizKids. But they take these two cards and shove in two dice. So now you have two dice bending and warping these two cards. So long before you open the pack, these cards are bent. I don't know if anyone has ever gotten two cards that were decent out of this, but it's like it's very disappointing to open a game, whatever the price point is, and have slightly damaged components.
0: Yeah, and you have to flatten them. And I flattened uh, the first 10 I got back in April. I flattened those out, and they did flatten eventually. Like they were sitting under, <laughs> I think, Terra Mystica for like a month. And I flattened them out. The ones I bought last month are still not flat. And I had those being flattened for maybe a week or two before I pulled them out to look through them. I don't know how long you need to leave these things sitting under a lead weight, but they're so bent. Um, And you put them in a sleeve, it'll probably flatten them out a little more. But honestly, I don't. People, there's no way people care about the actual quality of a component when assigning value because they're all crappy. Nobody has a decent quality card unless they got an uncut sheet. Yes. Uh, So i don't know it is it's frustrating um they're cheap so it's not as bad but let's say you bought a booster box you spent 60 bucks everything's bent that would be frustrating to me um and i have spent a decent amount of money on the game because the starter's 15 i bought 20 or so boosters the mat was 15 so that starts to add up that's you know 50 bucks right there
2: do you feel that which let me put it this way Would you spend more if the cards were a better quality card stock and the dice weren't bending it? If somehow they found a way to package it so there wouldn't be damage? Would you pay double? Would you pay $2 for a pack?
0: No. No, you're still not getting enough. A dollar is a fair price, but you still don't want it to be destroyed. Yeah. You're you're only getting two dice and two cards
2: out of the pack. Sure. And one of the downsides of Dice Masters has to be the fact that because you can't find the starter sets, or because the starter sets are in such short supply, and now addition add to that that the boosters are in short supply, you can't play this game very many places. I mean, this is a tournament game, this is a game you play in events, this is a game that is meant to play in that fashion and not really kind of like in a kind of group home fashion so that as you were saying like to be able to trade cards to be able to get new cards promo cards cards for winning games so that just so you can play the game and because of the availability you can't do that and it's really shutting this game down and to be honest I don't know if WizKids is going to be able to dig themselves out of this because while everyone does want it it's losing the ability to kind of get fans excited about it because the play has been a little bit lackluster because of not having all the cards or all the dice or the promos and things you should be having. Yeah, I mean, if WizKids does anything great, it has to be their tournaments and their special events.
0: Yeah, I know. And it's the fact that they can't do it. And it's even worse because they've sent out the kits,
2: you know, sure. a couple months into that. And how many people have actually been able to do it? Yeah, they talked about this a lot of the conventions that, I think it was Origins, that they couldn't do any of their tournaments or events because there just wasn't enough product out there. And we heard this when we went to the 20-side store that somebody asked about, you know, really desperately, like, please run a tournament, run an activity so I could do it. And they were like, we just don't have enough product. We can't do this. And there's not enough players for this. And you would think WizKids, Marvel... You know, collectible, a dollar for the boosters, this game should be everywhere. This game should be challenging magic. So I guess, in all, for me, the gaming experience, I don't have this because I could not find this. Actually, when I saw I'm like, Anthony, there's a base set. We should get that. <laughs> and then, you know, by the end of the night, I mean, I think they only had two, three, they were gone. They were gone that, that same night. And the boosters were nowhere to be found. At least you picked up some boosters earlier, which was weird because originally you could get your hands on boosters but not the base set and now the boosters are all gone and maybe maybe you can get your hands on a base set but even still that's pretty hard to find
0: it's yeah i think it's easier like the prices have dropped on them a little bit on ebay
2: sure because they're still like
0: 30 bucks which is double
2: yeah retail
0: um the boosters come in and out. Complete Straditor just seems to get a lot of boosters, actually. I've seen Do them really? stock there a few times. Yeah, But they haven't had any for the last two weeks. So whatever wave they got is now used up.
2: Because I still haven't seen any tournaments or local events for this at all. So
0: No, and it's frustrating because I'm finding like the OP cards are on eBay. I'm like, someone's getting them.
2: It's really not the way that WizKids intended for this game to be played out. So it's a bit of a shame on this. Because I know originally, before this came out, I was really excited about this game. And I know some, there were some conspiracy theories that certain people were getting stuff and not getting stuff. I mean, WizKids is a business. They want to get their stuff out there. They know the industry. They're the best at those tournaments and events. And I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are sweating it right now.
0: Yeah, because if, like, if it was delayed for a month and that got anticipation up, and you heard all the podcasts and everybody was like, Ah, I can't find this game. That worked sure. for a month. Four months later, <laughs> you've shot yourself in the foot repeatedly because at this point, people just don't care anymore. The fact that those starter kits were still sitting on the shelf at a 20-sided store just means people aren't looking for it. Anymore. It's true. Like, and, and they did sell eventually because somebody pointed out that they were there and then they sold, but it's not...
2: Yeah, you know, the, the the window of support, the window of anticipation, the, in, the window of reviewing, all these windows have seemed to shut. Now, I don't know if the other sets will do better, but... I think now everyone's going to have a little bit of a fear factor as far as, will this actually be something I can play? Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, no, I'm still having a tough time with it because I like the game a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. I enjoy the meta. Um, I like a game where I only have to pull out eight cards and just decide where I want to put my dice. Um, That makes it a lot easier and quicker to build a deck and to play with different combinations without having to spend two hours building a deck like I used to do in Magic. Um, And then you need ten decks ridiculous. So <laughs> and then the number of cards is smaller. So and th- another really cool thing is while the super rares seem to be pretty common in most tournament decks, people are still winning without them and some of the best cards in the game are in the starter set. So it's not it's not so overpowered in one direction that you have to pay for all these things. So I like a lot about this game. Um you know and some of the things we don't like that we've talked about but those are pretty typical for WizKids. The problem is if nobody else is ever gonna get it,
2: then it's not fun like... and, then, and and as you mentioned before, it's an investment yeah because you do have to spend an X amount of dollars to get to a point where you can actually field a tournament team or have enough dice to be able to play those characters you know in a fashion which you need to play them in and by all means beyond beyond the starter set, it's possible you just don't pull enough of whatever it is you need. Yep. so you might not pull enough Wolverines and you really need enough Wolverine dice so then you have to go online to buy the dice. And then you have to build, you know, because as we said, since this game is so meta driven, you're going to want to have enough to have different components kind of come in and out. Yeah. I was so hyped up about this game that I'm a little disappointed with the actual play because the components do, it loses something for me with the components. The duplicate artwork loses something for me. Um, I'm a huge fan of Marvel. I collected comics for years. You know, big shocker there. And, uh... I want to see different artwork. You know, if the card powers are going to be different, you got to give me at least some slightly different artwork. This was a criticism of Legendary that had all the same artwork, and now they're changing that. So I want to see different artwork there because it's boring looking at the same cards over and over, and it's unnecessary. So in addition, Anthony, I was talking about this before the podcast. For me, the theme for the cards... Doesn't really play out so well as far as you know the cards aren't as thematic, so you have someone you know somebody who has a special ability which is just basically plus one attack dice or plus one defense dice. Or like some of those cards don't really do a lot for me, or you know, this one defends a certain way, this one attacks a certain way. All right, you know, I don't hold that too hard against the game because it still has to adhere to a mechanic. There are some cards that are thematic, like we talked about Nick Fury being able to recruit revengers for free. That's very thematic. Um, you know, the Beast went as far as defending and he gets extra dice. I really don't see that. I mean, it could have been a, it could have been any other character and it would have just been just a thema- as thematic as Beast. There's nothing really about Beast that's very thematic. I mean, more of Captain America probably would have been a better fit, at least for that ability. Defending with the shield and then having backup. You know, but You know, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's a good game. It's a play for me. It's not a buy for the reasons that we talked about earlier. Maybe the dice improve. Maybe the pictures improve. Maybe the Dungeons & Dragons one is different and interesting enough that I picked that up. I'm more of an X-Men fan, personally. So I've looked at the X-Men box. It still hasn't sold me yet. I'm wondering how weird the the meta and the games are going to be when you can use dice from all different mm. kind of things. So like, yes, yeah, so I, here's my, I'm going to roll my Superman die and I'm going to roll my, you know, uh, Wolverine die and I'm going <laughs> to roll my mind flare. And, <laughs> and it's just like, okay, I mean, that's going to be fun, but, uh, it's just a play for me. It's not a buy and it's kind of sad, but, uh, if I'm going to spend money on a CCG and I'm going to spend time on a meta, it's probably going to be elsewhere.
0: Yeah, it's tough for me. I like it a lot. Um, I need to, I don't know, they got to get their stuff figured out so I can actually play against other people, get into a tournament, see how it plays like that. Um, one of the things that attracted me is the fact that because you're rolling dice, a tournament is a little more friendly to people who are not running with all the most expensive cards and have played 600 times. Um, obviously experience is gonna benefit you in any game like this, but I feel like there's probably a little bit more level of a playing field, but I don't know that because I've yet to actually do that because I just got my dice. Um, I'll probably I don't know if I'll invest anymore in this set. Um, I feel like I have a good number of cards at least to play by myself, like if I'm playing with somebody who has their own sets, uh, unless I see something at a good value. But I might, you know, pick up the next set, check it out, I don't know. I, I can't see myself spending too much more money on this until WizKids gets the supply issue figured out and tournaments and OPs are actually happening uh, regularly, and other people own it. Like, if I'm the only one in my group of friends who buys this,
2: uh, I don't know how often we'll play it. Um, like, And you really need a tournament format in order to be able to have a, a community of people to trade cards with and dice.
0: Yeah. So it's it's still a buy for me that could change over time i don't regret buying it at all i had a lot of fun with it um and it's not so expensive that it's gonna turn into a a game that sits on my shelf i'm sure we'll play it again locally uh but i don't think i'll get the full use out of it until things are figured out and i won't know for sure if it's a buy or a play until that happens but overall right now i'm enjoying it i think it's fun uh so that's our full review of Avengers vs. X-Men Marvel Dice Masters from WizKids. We'll come back to this in a couple months, hopefully, hopefully, when they have their stuff figured out. Um, if they don't ever get their stuff figured out, then that will probably be our definitive review. So that's uh, finally getting that to the table four months later. Hopefully that helps you out a little bit if you have the opportunity to buy it if you're trying to determine whether you want to pick it up. if <laughs> If you're in New York or the Staten Island area, Jersey, anywhere like that, and you have the game and want to play, let me know. All right. So that's everything for this episode. This is the last of our vacation specials. So next episode in two weeks, A, we're going to talk about Gen Con, which is going to be awesome and we'll be Woo-hoo! a little sad.
2: But we'll be happy for you guys who are going there. And you can send us pictures and responses and awesome games.
0: All of all of the awesome games. Yes. Send them all to us. <laughs> <laughs> um So that's going to be that, but then also everybody's going to be in the building. So we're going to have nice sound quality, some nice, all of us playing the same games together. It's going to be awesome.
2: That's if Daniel and Drew make it back. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Well, we lost Drew and then we lost Daniel, so I'm hoping they get back. That's true. It's true.
0: They've gone a long time.
2: It's pretty much a really scary house that we're in, so you never know. It could be haunted. My house? All right. Look, I'm going with a theme here. (laughs) They dropped off the call, so it makes sense. (laughs) Woo!
0: All right. But that's everything for this episode. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it. And next time, we're going to have a lot more fun. We're going to have a lot of games coming out to the table. Um, Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Board Gamers Anonymous, Twitter, at BGA Podcast, Board Game Geek. We're actually starting to grow the guild. Get in there and comment questions. I want to hear your questions. Uh, We did not have any for this episode. That's Uh sad. I need questions. Um, And then, of course, we have our website, BoardGamersAnonymous.com, with our curator, Drew, doing amazing work on there every day. So check it out. Check out Facebook. Check out Twitter. Interact. Share your gaming
2: stories. We will share them with the world. And don't forget, we're on iTunes, so be sure to check us out there and rate us. The higher we go, the more our voices get out to everybody. And also on Stitcher. So if you're, you're you're a fan of Stitcher... You can check us out there as well. And don't forget, Kick in the Habit, our weekly podcast on everything Kickstarter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We are out there all
2: over the place. <laughs> so you have no excuse. <laughs> and clearly, we went to South Carolina, Maine, just to meet you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Spreading the word, man. I'm disappointed that no one's recognized me, right? <laughs> right?
2: You're on the street and you're just with the sunglasses and you got your hoodie on. You just don't want to be recognized, you want to be dragged
3: down by fans. Yeah, yeah, you gotta be careful.
0: That's yeah, good. <laughs> We've been to a couple stores like in Jersey, and people we just tell them what podcast you are on. I'm like, oh yeah, I think I've heard of you. And we're like, no, you haven't. <laughs> like nine months ago, I'm like, we have like eighty listeners, but we could actually possibly run into people now because we're getting a nice crew out there.
2: Yeah, a lot of people when I go out to Jersey now, they've they've said, yeah, listen to the podcast. That's great. So, all right, so Jersey crew, way to listen. Yeah, better than Drew. <laughs> <laughs> Big shout out to New Jersey Board Gamers. We're going there for our weekly meetup on Sunday, so I hope to see you all there. Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, so that's everything for this
2: week. This is Anthony. This is Chris. This is Daniel. And this is the disembodied voice of Drew. And until next time, we'll save you a seat at the table. All right, guys, let's... Wrap this
0: up, let's get people on planes and home so we can play some real games <laughs> in your friggin'
3: vacations.
2: <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.